Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Corner. Tried to slide it out front. And the putt was loose for just a moment. Now Edinburgh takes a shot. The rebound in August 5th, 2020, it's the uh, Laced Up Back in Action Hockey Podcast. Back in action as the Vancouver Canucks score behind us. I am uh, still James Cole. I'm Bruce Pataglia from the north side. It was kind of weird listening to um, an actual soundbite, a hockey soundbite, because I stopped putting them in since hockey stopped and we have one at the top of the show because I didn't want to do it last week. Because I still was not sure that this was going to happen. It's happening. There's games. Unless we're living in some sort of an alternate reality where I'm like dreaming all of this, it actually looks like hockey is happening around us. Uh, it does seem to be taking place. It seems. Um, it seems real. It's like the Jim Jeffries joke, right? Like, there's a very real possibility that I'm sitting in a mental institution right now with some other crazy guy being I like, I hate hockey, I hate hockey, I hate hockey, into a microphone. But as far as I know. This is an actual podcast, and people are going to hear it. Uh, yeah, I, I hope, I guess. I don't know. Like, what are we doing here otherwise, right? Like, who are we talking to? Me and you? And we just cut the middleman out and, and just have our own conversations. But yeah. um, maybe they changed our meds this week at the mental institution. Uh, us and Joe Kelly. Um, nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of baseball, the... Uh, <laughs> The Miami Marlins. Um, did you hear about this? The Miami Marlins. They're a baseball team. They, <laughs> did you hear about this? They play baseball in, in Florida. Uh, the whole team got COVID. The whole lot of them. Uh, all of them. Everybody. The whole. The owner got COVID. The the bat boy got COVID. The peanut salesman in the crowd got COVID. The whole team got it. The peanut um, salesman. Because one third selling it to empty seats decided to go buy milk uh, at two in the morning. It wasn't even that he said, it wasn't even that Derek Jeter said that one player left specifically just to get milk. He implied that several players on the team, like, in in different instances, went out to get different quarts of milk. How much milk do they drink on that fucking team? Skip for the bones. Skip for the bones, skip for the body. Healthy bones and teeth, I guess they're growing boys. I'm just saying, I, like... I don't know anyone who drinks milk with regularity. You know? I drink coffee. Sometimes I put milk in it. I have a glass of chocolate milk every morning. You you have one every morning? If it's stocked, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you didn't have it in your hotel, 
Would you run out in the middle of a pandemic when they're telling you that you're living in arguably the worst place in the world right now to be living in terms of fucking this virus other than Australia? And you would just get out and be like, you know what? I'm getting my fucking chocolate milk. You would just go? Yeah, probably not. It seems, yeah, it's like, I'm just saying, it seems reasonable at that point that, like, someone on the team can acquire chocolate milk for you. Like, you probably don't even need to go out and get it. Someone, you know what I mean? Like, one of their, they have grocers and stuff like that doing trips. The fact that you needed milk right that minute. What, like, what? Because these guys aren't even living in hotel rooms where they can, like, cook a full meal. So it's not like you needed it to make this elaborate pasta recipe or like this sauce you know you didn't need it for anything like that so what did you need it for you needed it for a glass of milk you needed it for a protein shake maybe they're making a bunch of white russians do you think why not you're on vacation in a hotel (laughs) (laughs) the problem is is that the miami marlins were not on vacation they were they were you know playing baseball in atlanta yeah it's atlanta so I, my favorite part about this is Derek Jeter's going to blame the Atlanta trip, too. Like, it's not possible that they all could have got it in, in fucking Miami three days earlier. Uh, like, it's it's all Atlanta's fault. COVID's in Miami. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> I like how you say that it is like I'm the one who said that. Just for the record, that was James that did the the Jimmy Fallon Pitbull impression. Yeah. It was it was more Jimmy Fallon doing Pitbull than it was Pitbull. <laughs> Santa's in Miami. Well, Cecily Strong was it? Cecily Strong with Shakira? Yeah, yeah. Well, if they keep up at this rate, maybe they'll be playing baseball at Christmas. Um, <laughs> they keep it up at this rate, they're not going to be playing baseball ever yeah. again. Um, the NHL is back, like I mentioned uh, off the top there. They, they've they started this past weekend. August 1st was the official beginning uh, of the play-in qualification round. Um, and and with it came some intrigue. Um, obviously, uh, the NBA had started the night before. Baseball had been back for you know a couple weeks. Um, some other sport leagues like the MLS, they, they'd been around and, and, and active um and every other league seemed to have some sort of you know very conscious very in your face statement um directed towards the black lives matters uh movement and a lot of kneeling during anthems and and uh you know posters and you know slogans and hashtags around the uh, the arenas and the MLB went so far as to write their logo backwards for Black Lives Matter, BLM. And um, then the NHL started up on, on Saturday, and there wasn't a lot going on. There was a little bit. There was a couple signs in the arena that you could see that they were, you know, looking to end racism, which, of course, saying it doesn't necessarily do it, but at least they put something up, I suppose. Um, and they did this weird thing where they, the teams would like link arms in like a circle, like a, a trust circle, and they'd all sing Kumbaya before they sung the national anthems. And, and that was kind of their way of... Really? Or, or figuratively? 
I would like to imagine that they oh, that okay. they did both. Um, I'd like to know, see some it, of that footage. Kumbaya, Star Spangled Banner, Canada in that order. Um, mm. I gotta tell you, they're pretty much just as relevant songs. So, yep. but um, but this nonetheless sparked a bit of outrage both on on both sides of the coin. Where you know some people were looking at it saying they're not doing enough. Some people were saying like, "Hey, what are we?" holding hands for here that we're about to do battle and and I don't need to see this on my television screen and son of the president uh, Eric Trump um, came out and, and applauded the league for its its actions with, with no one kneeling and all this um, and the whole thing kind of spiraled and there's, there's some other things we're going to get to but um, I think this all kind of goes back to at least as far as the laced up podcast is concerned and i don't want to speak for you but i'm pretty sure i know your stance on this is is even more evidence as far as i'm concerned that um we need to stop singing national anthems at sporting events right I, I, that's yeah that's, that's correct yeah i i can kind of get it if it's like an olympic thing and you've like won the tournament like maybe but before every single sporting event of a regular season and you know i mean like it doesn't need to happen just because you're playing a game in that country to me that's it's absolutely absurd so uh it's it's 2020 we're still doing this i guess um and i don't really get it i don't i don't understand like do people get right like do people get fired up at the anthems playing like don't get me wrong like I, i like the I like the True North shit in Winnipeg. I like the Stars shit that they do in Dallas. Like, it's neat, but I don't think anyone would necessarily like miss it. Aside from those people in the building that are like experiencing it for themselves, and I don't know. Like, it's 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 tough because it's obviously a moment where you can you can take notice. You can you can make a stand. You can make that political statement. Mm-hmm. Um. And if you get rid of the anthem, in a sense, there's the potential where you're getting rid of the opportunity to make said statement. When else, when else are you going to kneel? Uh, during warm-ups? Well, that doesn't help anybody. It's, it hurts everybody. In, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? So I'm kind of torn in that sense where like, I, I, I well, like that there's an opportunity for people to make a statement, but we don't need those avenues at the end of the day. Um, I think there's there's other things that people could be doing. That's not to say that it's it's as impactful. It's not it's not as in your face because like don't get me wrong. This this is, pisses people off a lot more when they're kneeling during an anthem than it does for me, who's just like I I could care less if they sing the anthem, right? So I I, I do see you know in, in in some light why it's relevant that they do what they do, but. I digress, I suppose. I'm, I'm kind of just starting to ramble at this point, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, this it gets into a super uh, philosophical conversation here where just I just have no connection to any national anthems, our own or any other. I just don't really understand. Um, I, I just don't really have a connection to them. So to me, um, you know, I understand that this is not the relationship that a lot of people have with national anthems, but to me, it's just a song and it doesn't really necessarily represent your country. Um, because 
there are plenty of national anthems that are just a tune and there are no lyrics and you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it, it just gets a little dicey when you try to talk about that. But I think the idea of, of getting rid of, um, national anthems at the start of sporting events, like to, to your point, you make the, 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 uh, I guess the, the idea that this is their opportunity to make a political statement if they, or a social statement or, or whatever kind of statement that they want to make it. But, like, in reality, especially in today's sport, these guys have every opportunity to do that not during the game as well and to get involved in all these causes all the time. And, and a lot of them do, but some of them don't. Most of the guys we've seen kneel so far in the sport, there have been five guys. Um, all of them are involved in causes outside the sport, as far as I know. I'm not really sure about Jason Dickinson, but it seems like he is. Um, so, you know, like, I don't... I, it feels like they're doing their part, but I'm just saying, like, if all these other guys supposedly care, but they, they, you know, feel a certain way about the anthem and don't want to kneel during the anthem, like, that's fine, but I want to see an effort to do other things outside of the game itself, and, 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 and or even during the game, like, find another way to make that political statement, find a way to do it, you know, customize something on your equipment or something like that, that at least, you know what I mean, is a definitive thing. Um, because short of, you're right, like short of the pregame ceremony, I don't know when else you're going to do it. You can't right. do it during the game. You get played, to, you get paid to play the sport, right? Yeah. So uh, until all 10 guys on the ice agree to just take a kneel off the opening face-off or something like that, I don't really know what else they could do, right? So, yeah, you're right, but I mean, a lot of these other guys, you know, some of these guys got to start standing up and doing stuff um, other than just showing up and playing hockey and, and, and making a statement that way and, you know, it's it's nice when a team wears Black Lives Matter T-shirts to a fucking gym day or whatever. But you know, like like what do these guys do when they go home? Like, do they do they all think that way or do they not? You know, um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And it, it, the guys who care will make it obvious that they care, and the guys who don't, um, you know, their silence is deafening. I think in a, in a lot of cases. So it, it isn't, and like I don't know, like a lot of these guys, you know, I. The NHL is such an interesting league in this respect because we we see this this vast movement that you know, has kind of encapsulated at least the United States and in parts of the world around uh, you know other countries have, have have made statements, but at the heart of it, the the Black Lives Matter thing is a movement that's rooted in the United States, and the NHL as a you know, as a corporation is, is not in a position where they are the ones picking up the flag and leading the charge. And, and I don't think anyone's looking to them to be the leaders in any respect in this regard. As long as we don't have guys coming out and being, you know, openly, you know, against the movement. Um, like, you know, we saw the Tuka Rask thing where he comes on, the interview on zoom he's got a boston police hat on and you know it's it's you, it's just you a, shake your head it's you just go, a read the room moment right where exactly. it's like you're you know what like you're allowed to still support the police like you don't need to be you don't need to agree with every single person on your side of the movement about every little thing it's that's i mean this isn't a political issue it's a social and it's a it's a human rights issue but you know that 
goes back to again why politics are so messy right is because mm-hmm. everyone wants to lump each other into these groups and it's a very fluid thing right and and for some people that's how they look at this issue for some people that's how they look at the police part of the of the yeah. black lives matter movement and whatever how whatever your perspective is i'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should think a certain way i think people who also do that are are stupid and and are counterproductive to the to the movement itself um so i mean that's that's all fine but yeah but um, what I was going with that was I, I feel like a lot of these guys in the NHL are, rightly or wrongly, have never been the guys in the spotlight. They don't want to be the guys in the spotlight. They don't want to have the horse in the race. And they're never going to compete with the NBA. They're never going to compete with the MLB. They're never going to compete with the NFL when the NFL eventually gets going again. So I can see how for like a lot of those guys, it's maybe one of those things where you know, yes, I don't agree with what's going on, but I don't want to be the guy that's putting my neck on the line to a degree because we all saw what happened with Colin Kaepernick. Like, let's let's not sit here and say that there's no repercussions to this because I think it goes without saying that based on the number of people that have, have come forward in the NHL's sphere, that something had to be said from the top down to say, hey, we're not going to do this. We don't want you doing this. We don't want to encourage anybody doing uh, uh, any political statements we'll take care of it on our end and they're not but you know what I mean like I, I can see how certain guys would be kind of against doing something like that like Tyler Sagan's never yeah. have to worry about his spot in the lineup Robin Leonard probably shouldn't have to either but I I, I don't know like we, we all saw what happened to Akeem Alou how quickly that guy got ushered out of pro G- sports and, and a JT job. Brown, man. JT Brown. JT Brown was an up and coming forward in the National Hockey League, and all of a sudden yep. he doesn't have a job. Mm-hmm. Like, figure that one out. Um, so, yeah, it, no, I, I get it. I, I was, I was, when we initially started planning, like, because we're, for those at home that don't know, like, we're always constantly planning the next episode, right? When we're done tonight, tomorrow morning, we're going to sit down and whatever happened tonight that maybe we didn't get to. Is there anything worth talking about next week? And as the week goes on, things get moved up and down the rotation or in and out and, and things like that. And when this initially first came up and we were, we're initially going to talk about this issue, you know, my initial stance in the opening day or so was that I felt that the NHL 100% came down from the top and told these guys not to kneel. But the more I thought about it, the less that it kind of made sense to me that they would do that. And there needed to be there needed to be more to it. Like, it couldn't have just come directly from the NHL. It needed to have come directly from the teams or something like that. Because if it ever got out that the NHL said something like that, I don't even really know where to begin with where this league would end up, but probably would be non-existent moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that's one thing to me. The more I thought about that, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So I think you said something, and I'm not really sure if this was your point, but you kind of raised a good point that I've been thinking about the last few days, is that I think the NHL misled the, some of these players and made them think that here's what we're going to do and it's gonna we're going to take care of it. And maybe these players didn't get everything outlined to the complete detail that they would have liked. Mm-hmm. And the NHL said, trust us, we're going to do it. And then we'll Matt Dumba right saw what and... the NHL is doing. And it's like, I appreciate the effort, but it's barely effort, right? Yeah. And, and that's the big problem, I think, is is just the idea that... Uh, it, it It's just, to me, it is honestly 
fucking absolutely mind-boggling to me that there would only be five guys so far that have kneeled. That's the one thing I just I just and, don't and get one it. Of them not, because, not even dressed. Because the the weirdest thing about it was the fucking fact that during that exhibition game, Greenway and Kadri and Dumba and uh, Belmar had every opportunity to kneel then, and they didn't. So that was the moment where I'm like, I think there's something else going on here. And I genuinely think that there's something behind the scenes. Because it doesn't really make sense. To, to, to me, it's just, it is mind-boggling to me to, to possibly believe that there are only five guys in the league that give a shit. Yeah. And, and I understand that a lot of these guys have complications that maybe are preventing them to do that. And I'm not defending those guys necessarily, but I, I can sympathize with the fact that maybe you're not comfortable doing it. One thing that I think a lot of people don't consider is just the fact that, like, some of these guys are trying to apply to be full, like, citizens of, of America for their job. Like, some of these guys on these teams are fucking citizens of Sweden or Austria and have no American citizenship. And for them to go and kneel, that would be kind of a tough look for them as well. Because eventually they're going to have to walk in and, and try to apply for that citizenship. And they're going to be like, well, what did you do? And then they're going to look into them. And, you know, you catch the wrong guy on the wrong day. Maybe they don't get that citizenship they're looking for. Yeah. I'm just saying for those guys, I completely understand. And even for Robin Leonard, that was the most impressive thing. As I know he's an American citizen and has been for a long time. But even for him, it was just kind of like, well, he's from Sweden. Like, he's really not even from there. Like, Sagan's from Canada. and Sagan's and, from Canada. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and yeah, these guys have fucking... These guys have um, relationships in America now, and they're rooted in America, and it's completely different. But I can understand... All I'm saying is I can understand for fucking Rasmus Sandin of the Toronto Maple Leafs, if he's in the lineup one night, why the fuck would he kneel? Even if he believes to the heart of his hearts in all of this, yeah, that might not be the best he move can't be for the him. Leading the charge, no. Yeah, yeah, that might not be the best move for him socially, and uh, unless the rest of his team's going to do it, I don't know. That is that is a bit of a of a touchy ground, but I'm uh, I'm obviously incredibly disappointed that a lot of guys haven't done it, and it's easy for me to sit here on the sidelines and and say how easy it would have been for these guys to kneel. I I really don't know some of the circumstances that they deal with and maybe some of the pressures yeah. that are on them from their team and from like, higher ups and, yeah. and you know what? Like I I I've said it before and I talk about it a lot. Like I, I have no general interest in, in having a family or anything like that. But I, I'm not gonna fault a single person who does. And I I just think that if a guy is worried about getting another million dollar one year contract next year and this is going to be the difference between him giving his family another, you know, million dollar contract. Okay, so so $700,000. If this is the difference between another $700,000 for his kid's fucking college fund or something like that, I'm not going to fault these guys for for not risking their jobs either. You know. No, for sure. And I, I don't think that's fair. They should be allowed to express themselves, but I do I I honestly this week kind of scared me almost from a like a it sounds weird to say, but like a conspiracy theory sort of narrative because it, to me it just seemed like there's got to be something else going on here because for you to tell me that everyone in the league is racist or something like that obviously not so like you well, know what and, i mean that and, doesn't and make sense so the idea of like a guy like john tortorella who is kind of been open in the past about guys kneeling yep. and 
and he's his position has kind of wavered to a degree, but I can't imagine any of the guys in the Blue Jackets dressing room would feel comfortable about taking a knee. Yeah, I mean, even because, as much as he's, you know, I mean, he he said something a few months ago where I I think he. He said, he said he admitted something there was, about there was a problem. He yeah, he said something about I don't think that's the way to display it, yeah. but he wouldn't he wouldn't fault someone for doing it anymore or something like that, I thought. I Maybe that's not the way he worded far, it, but, but okay. You know what I mean? Like I I can see how like you don't want to be the guy. I mean, these people can grow, right? Like yeah. like everyone was attacking Robin Leonard on Twitter yesterday and it's like uh, he a long time ago said he doesn't support Trump anymore. And and very clear like very clearly said like, you know, I was maybe younger and newer in the country at time at the time and kind of had a bit of a different outlook on it and i've grown as a person and the, you know like he went through like who he was in 2016 is clearly not who he is now we've seen that not just off the ice but even on the ice right like it's helped his life has changed completely in the last couple of years mm. and he made it very clear that all he wants to do is help people with mental illness help people with all this stuff he's for the people now he's trying to help people and Everyone is just completely fucking attacking him on Twitter the other day. Like, he's a Trump fan. Once a Trump fan, always a Trump fan. And it's like, why would any of these people bother changing ever if all you're going to do is fucking hold that over their head forever? Why would anyone ever try to help anyone else then? Give these people a fucking chance. Afford them a second opportunity. How hard was it for you not to make a Bane reference there with For the People? Just out of curiosity. It'll come up later. It'll come up later? Okay. Um, So, as you mentioned... uh, some fresh piss. Tyler Sagan, um, Dickinson, whose first name is escaping me. Corey Dickinson? J- Jason. Jason Dickinson. Corey, Corey Dickerson is a baseball player, so okay, you're not you're not super far off. Robin Lehner and Ryan Reeves all took a knee in the Dallas-Vegas game. Uh, Matt Dumba uh, knelt during that exhibition game where he came out and made a statement uh, in his street clothes. He wasn't obviously playing in that game. There was so can, Edmonton so and Calgary. Can, can I raise a, a point to you? Is is just going back to what we were talking about earlier, what they may or may not have asked the players to do? Sure. I thought that when he knelt during that ceremony but didn't kneel during the exhibition game, that they had told the players that they didn't want anyone kneeling while they were in their uniform during the games. And Dumba found a fucking loophole around it and did it in a pregame ceremony. Quite possible. But then yeah. but then Reeves and Sagan right. Dickinson and, and uh Leonard yeah. knelt the other day. Yeah. And so I kinda kiboshed my my, my yeah. idea there. But I mean unless unless there's something going on behind the scenes there, I don't know. But but to me I just thought it was interesting that Dumba did that in a ceremony rather than during during that game when, when he would have had the opportunity to do it, albeit with less eyes on him. Sure. You know what I mean, and, yeah. and this ceremony was was meant for that purpose. So I get why you yeah, did it then, out, rather than before. Made, but but made at, a big speech. Yeah, then, at, you know. at first that was my thought. As I thought, I wonder if he found a fucking way around that. Yeah, the next game after that, Dumba obviously on the bench with the Wild. He had the fist in the air for both anthems. Um, now he wasn't starting, mm-hmm. which kind of I, like I don't know if anyone's ever been on a on a bench before. It's, not a lot of room. It's not like I don't. I don't think Dumba could have knelt on the bench if he wanted to. No, and um, yeah, you might not have even seen his head because he's not that fucking tall of a yeah. guy either. So, so yeah, it's a stupid idea to kneel on a bench to be but, honest. But but then we we get the weird twist yesterday where um, Sagan and Dickinson, who weren't starting, mm-hmm. they joined Vegas on their own blue line on Vegas's blue line. They kneel with them. Um, 
we're watching the Minnesota-Vancouver game tonight. Uh, we haven't seen anything that it would indicate that Dumba knelt today. Again, if he's the guy on the bench, um, it, it, it wouldn't be practical. Um, I don't know, I guess, I don't know what would stop him from going on the ice and kneeling aside from his own coach. I, you know, I, I can't think of a rule that would stop these guys, especially if, if it happened where opposing players joined you, like, like I said, in, in Dallas, Vegas, uh, the other night. So it's, it's interesting because like, here's Matt Dumba. He comes out, he kneels in the street clothes. He's got the fist up the next game. I'm assuming at the very least he had the fist up again tonight. Um, but there, there, there is something here. There, there's something that's going on where to some degree, maybe, maybe it's team by team. Maybe it's not the league where guys are being discouraged from, from doing certain, you know, acts of, you know, protest. So, uh, it'll be interesting. Like, like this is what day four of, of the return to play. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. It's, it's a long tournament. It's going to be a long tournament. Everyone's staying healthy in the NHL, which is kind of surprising. But, uh, as they do that, it just means that this is going to have, uh, more and more traction behind it. And, um, we'll see what happens going forward because, you know, you know I, like I said, I, I don't want to say that, you know, one way or the other, the league is shutting it down or the players don't want to do it. It's probably very fresh. It's very new. This is something the NHL has never really tackled, something that they should, but they haven't yet. Um, and then and I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes because I think that there's enough, you know, level-headed people playing the game that are going to come to their senses, like the Tyler Sagans and the Robin Lehners, that will eventually get there, and maybe they just need this first push that we're seeing now, and and maybe this is what it is. Yeah. Maybe this is the first push. So, Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, you know, I, I will say it's obviously not something that I had to deal with as a hockey player, right? So it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, why wouldn't you just do it? I, I've never really had super, you know... Um, oh yeah. Deep conversations with teammates about all this kind of stuff before because we never really needed to. Obviously, played with indigenous players who were discriminated against, and and um, you know, like I was a victim of racial discrimination despite you know being largely white. And I mean, you know, like I I, I get it, I get that it happens, but those conversations were very different, and and they're never really needed. I mean, you know, for, how the fuck are a bunch of fourteen year old kids going to protest protest something? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're going to have all these parents freaking out, and and ultimately they were the law. And so, like again, it, it's just I've never really had to deal with it, but it is one of those things. Still looking at it from the outside, looking in, how just how just fucking take a knee the fuck is so hard about it like i just don't get it like i don't understand but whatever um something on the on the lighter side of uh of, of the the sport uh keith gas keith, station boner pills now so. yeah keith kincaid had a fun run in at a chipotle recently uh he uh i guess he had some food delivered to his house it was for keith kincaid uh they kind of wrote on well the, on hotel the bubble He's in the bubble. He's in the bubble? Yeah, he's one of... He's... <laughs> oh, my God. Who does he play for? That's so good. Um, so, Keith Kincaid is Devils the... Devils didn't make the bubble. Uh, that is that is true. Uh, Keith Kincaid is the uh, third goalie for the Montreal Canadiens. 
Oh, so the guy that doesn't matter on the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, no, that's that's yeah, fair. That's right. Okay. Actually, you could even argue he's the fourth goalie of the Montreal Canadiens, but he's on the Montreal Canadiens anyway. In, in in the bubble, apparently, Keith Kincaid got some Chipotle, and we have Chipotle in Canada. There's one across the street from the Royal York. Yeah, been there a few times. It's very good. I guess someone was interested to know whether or not it was the actual Keith Kincaid ordering just, Chipotle or not, I, and uh, left him a little note. I just think it's funny that this Chipotle, like, okay, so. Okay, so so. <laughs> no, no, please. So, okay. So let's say this wasn't a group order. Let's say this is an individual order. He's just ordering off skip the dishes. Okay. Okay. Sure. Now, when these skip orders come in, most of these places it gives you like a display of the customer's name, hence how they knew it was Keith Kincaid. But also like they're like where it's headed to. Okay. Because the driver who's picking it up needs to see that data to know where they're driving it to, to match it to the order that they have on the app, right? Mm-hmm. So, wouldn't this Chipotle worker see that it's going to the fucking Royal York and not be like, oh, that's fucking Keith Kincaid? Like, why not? Like, they know it's Keith Kincaid, but they're just checking with him to make sure that he is the NHL Keith Kincaid. Boys, nobody else is staying at the fucking Royal York. It's literally just NHL people. There's no one else in there. All the floors are closed except for NHL people. It's Keith Kincaid, man. Now, do you think Keith Kincaid got this type of recognition in New Jersey as a as a Devils goaltender? Like, do you think the Chipotle in, in Newark was just like, oh, what if this is Keith Kincaid? Mm. Or is this a Canadian thing where um, us as Canadians are so much more ingrained in the fourth string goaltenders of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I, I like to think that, like, before, uh, like, after, sorry, before they saw Keith Kincaid's order, that, like, fucking Thomas Tatars came through and they are just like, ah, fuck that guy. And then they saw Keith Kincaid and they're like, ah, nice, Keith Kincaid. Look at this guy, his name's like Tartar Sauce. It's like Tartar Sauce, like with the fish that we sell. Yeah. Um, fish at Chipotle. I don't know. Wouldn't they? I don't yeah, think so. A fish and chips option. I get it all the time. I would know. Have you ever been to Chipotle? Bay? I have not. I okay, they were in Canada. You've been to Taco Bell, right? Yeah. So Ch- Chipotle is just like a step up from Taco Bell. You wouldn't go into Taco Bell and get a fucking ch- fish and chips, right? But what's the step up from like McDonald's? Uh, Burger King. No. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> Step up from McDonald's? Yeah. I don't know. Is there, is, is there one? They're so amazing. Um, <laughs> within Canada... Harvey's, yes. No, but... No, that's that's several steps up, though, I would say. Okay, well... Like, like Boston Pizza? Okay, Har- say Harvey's. Say it's Harvey's. No, my, my point is that you're comparing a fast food joint like Taco Bell to a Chipotle's, which is like an actual restaurant. Okay, but Chipotle... Is okay. Chipotle is fast food. Is it? it? it it's just the workers aren't very fast. <laughs> it's supposed to be fast food. Do you have a server? No, not. I mean, okay. So it's one of those fast food restaurants. It's like Fat Burger, where you order it and it's like it's going to take about an extra thirty seconds from any other fast food restaurant. So instead of you standing here like an idiot, go sit down and we'll just bring it to you. Okay. So you have to go to the counter to order it. 
but like the person running you the food is very much like on the line making the food and stuff like that so do you have a server i would say no but you do have someone bring you your food more often than not i kind of assumed it was like an applebee's where you'd walk in and they'd show your table and then you'd sit honestly i didn't think chipotle menu and then you've never been to one i guess no Clearly, because uh, the these fucking questions you're asking me, they um, yeah, like that's fair. Like when I before I had been there, I thought it was just Applebee's, maybe not the best comparison, but like I thought it was a restaurant, like a Montana's or something. But just like, is that is that a better comparison? Like Applebee's, but like like a sit down restaurant where they bring you your food, but it's like a Tex Mex feel. Okay. That's what I thought it was. So now I wouldn't expect fish and chips from that, but I thought. You had a server and a menu. No, it's and, it's. I mean, yeah, okay. you should definitely go on Chipotle's menu tonight Cause, and cause take a look most, what they get, what they're like offering. Sit down with a server and a menu restaurants. There's a fish and chip option. It's not always great. Yeah, but there usually is. Yeah, I mean, like I'm aware that most of these restaurants have fucking kids menus. I'm just saying that at Chipotle, I've never seen a kid eat fish and chips. <laughs> it's, it's like fish. You're right. Fish and chips is the is the adult chicken fingers and fries, more or less. Didn't, you know what I mean? Can can adults not get chicken fingers? They can. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, it's the same thing. It's the other way around. Like, a kid can still get fish and chips, but you don't see it as often. Whereas chicken fingers and fries, same thing. Adults, you don't see it as often as you do with kids, vice versa. You're saying you don't like a good breaded fish. I'm saying I do. Okay. I'm saying kids don't. Right. Whereas I also don't like a good breaded chicken as much anymore as I did when I was a kid. Okay. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's not so much chicken a shot finger, Chicken fingers fish. are to adults as fish and chips are to kids. It's like the SAT evaluation. Both enjoyable, but different. Yeah, they're both yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah. Good. I can't believe you've never been to a Chipotle for the amount of times you've been to Toronto. Uh, look, I, I've been to Toronto. Like the list of things I have to do oh, while I'm in Toronto. I've been to Toronto. Is not it's not led with we gotta hit oh, a buddy, but it's right it's right in the middle. Okay, this is why it's so shocking. This is why it's shocking, okay? Do you fly Porter yeah. when you go? Usually. And do you take the Porter shuttle downtown right by the Royal York? Yes. It drops you off in front of the Chipotle. <laughs> Yeah, but I got things to do. I got places it's to right pee. It's right there. When it drops me off. I'm not hungry it's, at that point. It's you walk off the bus, and the first thing you see is, ah, the big city, Chipotle, is right there. Right, but I'm never, I'm never hungry at that point in my in my. Well, that's travel. fair. See, I like, got to go to the I, hotel. I, I, I got to check in. I understand that. I gotta, see, I don't know about you. I'm close to the Harvey's. I'm a big, so. I'm a big red-eye guy. I fly. I take that 6 a.m. It's when it's a vacation, I, I fly at 6 a.m. So when I get, it to, when I get to Trana... And I get to downtown Chipotle uh, neighborhood. It's like 8.20 in the morning. So like, yeah, you're right. I'm not coming to Chipotle. But I make a mental note. This is where Chipotle is. And I make my fucking way back there, buddy. It's across the street from Jack Astor's. It's a fucking hopping neighborhood. I know the Jack Astor's. Yeah, you've, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> I know that one. Yeah. It's no mistake in the Jack Astor. Yeah. Well, I will, I will make a note of hitting up a Chipotle next time I'm in Toronto in 2023. This week's sponsor, Jack Astor's Bar. See, yeah. you thought it was going to say Chipotle. Yeah, right? it did. Um, okay, we're going to get to the games in a second. Obviously, that's the, the big news. The NHL is back. The playoffs have started. We're a few days into it. But before we do, um, just we thought we would touch on something that happened in the first game of the Winnipeg Jet Calgary Flames oh, series. Oh, no. Uh, where our sweet, oh, sweet boy, Mark no. Shifley, uh, friend of the podcast, was uh, 
uh, hit. He left the game. Um, the uh, criminal offense that has been placed against Matthew Kachuk is still pending. Uh, he was the guy that kind of ran Shifley into the boards. Big debate. Uh, a lot of back and forth on this one. Uh, obviously, Paul Maurice comes out. He makes a big skating, you know, kind of attack on on Kachuk and, and what his intentions were. And there's been some pushback on that. There's been some pushback on, you know, whether Shifley's even all that hurt to to degree. He, he missed game two. <coughs> yeah. Might have been precautionary. Uh, we don't really know. No one has come out and said anything uh, in regards to how long he'll be out what the nature of his injury is. This kind of stems back to the whole, um, you know, the idea of the unfit to play where the NHL is kind of trying to protect these guys from any personal COVID-related, you know, medical information getting leaked. So it's very much up in the air. Uh, Your thoughts on the hit. Okay. So um, there's definitely two sides to this argument because – Um, The first thing I would say is that it is obviously very difficult for you to, um, at that rate of speed, try to aim for someone's Achilles tendon or whatever. And, you know what I mean, try to actually injure them doing that. Uh, It's very difficult to do it. However, um, if if we're going to just sit here and say every single time that that happens that it's, it's so hard to do it like that it that it's impossible that it could ever happen that's also ridiculous like for us to just rule it out because it's so hard to do you know what i mean this is nothing to do with kachuk or anything specifically this is just me saying everyone being like holy fuck it's so hard to do and it's like yeah well looks like matt cook fucking did it a few years ago so like who's to say it can't be done again and you watch the video and it kind of looks like that's what he was trying to do however the more I watch it, the more I think it was kind of just an unfortunate accident. And um, I had more of an issue with the hit than I did with anything to do with Kachuk's skate. Because uh, I'm going to give Kachuk a little bit of, it, of the benefit of the doubt in the sense that I don't think it looked like he was trying to kick him, really. Uh, it just looked kind of sketchy. But the hit itself was kind of fucked up anyway. So, I, like, we don't even really need to get to the skate part of it. The, the hit itself was kind of, like, the definition of... A fucking five-minute boarding penalty. So um, that I thought was a little weird, but I'm not like it's not one of those hits where I'm sitting here being like, you know, Kachuk got away with murder or anything here either. Like it was just it just didn't get called the way that I thought it should have been called, and uh, it's certainly unfortunate for for Shifley. Um, I don't really know that I necessarily disagree with Paul Maurice either. It's just not the way I see it, but. Uh, I don't think he's wrong to make that accusation because uh, going back to what I said earlier where I was going to give Kachuk the benefit of the doubt, I don't know that Matthew Kachuk has earned the benefit of the doubt anymore. It seems like he's at the center of all this shit all the time. and uh, At some point where there's smoke, there's fire to a degree. So um, it's fine if that's what you thought happened. I didn't really. I thought it was just a... um, I thought it was a dangerous hit and the skate thing was... It looked like what it looked like, but I don't really think that that was what he was trying to do. Um, the problem, the problem for me, like just to add to what I'm saying, is like if we're comparing it to Matt Cook, is like Matt Cook kind of that was his job, whereas Matt Kachuk is, and I'm not afraid to say this, far and away Calgary's most valuable player. So 
for him to do something like that and to maybe get kicked out of the playoffs for taking out Shifley, it's like, that's great. Calgary's forward group is now better than, or sorry, Winnipeg's forward group is now still better than Calgary's. Trading Shifley for Kachuk is like, yeah, that's maybe a fair trade. Calgary doesn't have that much depth. Well, Neither I, just Winnipeg he, either. He, but. Was, he was never going to risk the series. Like This isn't a Nazem Kadri where he's getting suspended year after year. So I don't think Matt Kachuk was ever in risk of... No, but I'm, I'm saying like if, if he... If he prongered him like like Yarko Rutu pronger thing where he stomped on his foot and it was like 100% a blatant attempt to try to like you know what I mean injure the dude and you could see it it would be indefensible of the NHL's fucking one game player, department player yeah no I understand that maybe that's what they would have done but at some point you know what I mean at some yeah. point we have to start calling out the NHL's player safety department for putting guys lives at risk so I I really want to believe that this wasn't uh, malicious on Kachuk's part because, like it was pointed out, like Kachuk and Shifley, these are two guys that they trained together in the off season. Like by all accounts, they're buddies. Like I know that kind of goes out the window to a degree when you're talking about the playoffs, but you know, yeah, driving the guy into the boards from behind is one thing. Trying to sever the guy's like tendon is a, a completely other, like. You know, Kachuk would have to have a few uh, puzzle pieces uh, loose in the puzzle board uh, to to be thinking along those lines. And I I don't think it's something that well he possibly does, player, but yeah, but I don't think that's something that a hockey player in general goes into thinking. Like I've 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 definitely never played at this level, but I've been you know I've played the game. I've been pissed off. I've been in intense situations, and and my goal is like. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing this guy hurt. I'm not trying to, you know, risk someone's career. I'm not trying to mutilate them or, you know, disfigure their leg with, with my skate. So, by all accounts, like, I I want to believe that this was just kind of a freak play. And, you know, you saw Kachuk go over and give him the tap on the, on the way out. And if, you know, if, if this was Ty Domi 20 years ago... Uh, Ty Doman takes you out. He's not coming over to say, "Hey, sorry about the hit." You know, he'll fuck you. Get off the ice. I'll see you next uh, next fucking February. I would have been in the penalty box spraying guys. Sure, but I watched this replay and I listened to what Paul Maurice said. And obviously, we don't have access to the video where you know Maurice referenced the the offside video that they have um, that I guess gave a better angle on on what took place. But I don't know. I, I'm going to sit here and say I hope it was a freak play because I think the alternative is a little too surreal or disturbing in a sense. And uh, It's one of those situations, I think, with Matthew Kachuk, just collectively as a hockey world, we should um, forgive but not forget on this one. And I think that this is probably something that... Just yeah. maybe keep in the back of your mind if there's a similar incident I, moving forward. I, I don't even know if I want to forgive. Like I said, like a, oh, that's fine. If, if it's but an I, accident, I, it's an accident, and accidents don't need to be forgiven. They they can be explained by saying, you know, something weird happened, and no one's at fault, and and we can kind of wash our hands and move forward with it. But you're right. Like he's at a point. He's at a very, you know, critical point in his career where. He's walked the line. He's made a name for himself. He's done some questionable things. 
Um, I don't want to bring up the whole Zach Cassian debate. Like I, I didn't think he was at fault for any of anything that went on there. Um, but I know there are people that, that think that way. So for some people, uh, I think I Matt Kachuk is in, in one sphere. I think I don't, I look at him and he's got a reputation, but I don't think he's super crossed the line as far as, is what you'd call trying to intentionally hurt, uh, Mark Shifley in this instance, but you're right. It, it's going to be something to keep an eye on and, and see how this type of player progresses in the next year or so and, 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 and what type of, you know, attachment we make to, to this play and, and other plays that we've seen. Like like Matt Cook, going back to it, like he's a guy that he, I think, very quickly found himself in a world that he didn't really want to be in. And I will give Matt Cret this, Matt, sorry, Matt Cook this, this shred of credit. Like he made an honest attempt to try to change the way he played the game and the latter half of his career. Too little too late. Like, you know, he'd, he'd made his sins, he'd made his bed, he had to live with them. But there was an honest attempt where he tried to get away from the dirty shit and he wanted to be a hockey player again. And, and at that point, it didn't matter because nobody wanted to pay Matt Cook to play hockey because Matt Cook wasn't good at hockey. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't say the latter half of his career. I would say the last four months of his career he tried to do that. I would say the last couple of years, for sure. But... Um, the the didn't wasn't the Carlson thing the, his second last year in the league. If it was, then that's unfortunate. Because I feel I, like he's been out for like four or five years. That's all I'm thinking. And the Carlson thing was only four years ago. You might be right. Yeah, but like I feel like it was there, one of the was last a period things. Of time it, it, regard, where, regard, yeah. I remember the whole interview where he's like, "I'm trying to change my ways," and I sure. feel like he didn't play more than thirty games after that. But no, maybe. whatever. I, I think yeah. he's a fucking horrible human being, to be honest with you, but. Um, but there, there are guys like I, I, I think that we there, we have to admit that there are guys that honestly don't want to be these types of players, and eventually that their reputation kind of oh, takes precedence. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I don't think Milan Lucic wants to be out here making like seven million dollars, known as like some goon that's sure. out there of course to he hurt doesn't. people. Like I think Milan Lucic thinks he's an effective hockey player that can score goals. Well, and, I, he and he was the league so. just moved away from him. Like sure. that's just the reality, right? So. I don't know. We'll have to just keep an eye on it, like you said, and see, and see how this reacts. And... One one thing I will say, and it's partly one of the reasons why I ha- I've been kind of wishy-washy on this, and I don't really know that I'm necessarily going to make up my mind for sure if I think that he did it on purpose or not. Um, because there's one guy that I know knows for sure or not, and it's Mark Shifley. And I know that if Mark Shifley thinks that he did it on purpose... We're going to fucking find out about it. Because there are few players in the NHL that are as smart and are as aware and are as um, fearless, I guess, in that sense, as Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley is a very smart guy. If he thinks Matthew Kachuk did it on purpose, we're going to find out about it. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just going to kind of leave that up to Shife because I think he, he, uh, he understands it better than any of us because he was on the receiving end of it. He's going to watch the replay, and he's going to form his, formulate his own opinion of it because he also knows Makachuk, and I don't. So Yeah. Um, uh, Matt, Matt Cook, for the record, has been out of the league since uh, 2015. So, hmm. With the Minnesota Wild. Um, 
I've, I, I always mix up which of Carlson's 12 injuries uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I always mix up the order. Yeah. Uh, the the playoffs. Uh, we're here. I don't think the NHL is calling them the playoffs, but it, we all, we all, we're all fans. We know what's happening. It's, it's, it's a do-or-die season. If you don't win said games, you're you're out, and, and that's that. And so sad for you. Um, so sad. There's the added caveat that we have the play-in round, the round robin, uh, which are different uh, mm-hmm. entities in themselves. Oh boy, are they ever! If you watch one and watch the other, it's hard to believe we're watching the same fucking league. Uh, so the top four teams in each uh, conference um, are playing a three-game round robin where they'll play each other once to determine the seeding for uh, the uh, actual quarterfinals that you know we've come to know and understand. Um, while the other uh, 16 teams battle it out in a best of five to uh, fill in the rest of the spots. Uh, I thought real quick we would start with the uh, round robin and, and, and where that has kind of led us. Huh. Um each team has gotten a chance to play a game at this point. The Lightning and the Flyers uh, have both won a game in the East, uh, with the Capitals losing in overtime and the Bruins losing in regulation, uh, which means that the uh, Bruins currently sit in fourth. Uh, that is right. The President's Trophy Boston Bruins are currently yeah, split they, to finish they look, fourth. Yeah, they look really bad. Yeah. Like, really bad. Like, they look worse than a lot of the play-in teams. Like, they look really bad. But uh, it's been two games. The well, technically, I guess even one, because the yes. other one was an exhibition. But Capitals sitting ahead of them by a point due to the overtime win. They also don't uh, the look overtime great, loss. Sorry, John Carlson. Uh, guess, the so. Flyers had a 4-1 victory over the Bruins, and the Lightning beat the Capitals uh, as both those teams sit atop the standings. Um, you mentioned the Bruins. Is is that the big surprise? Is that the only surprise here? Yeah. It's, it's one game. Not 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 really. I mean, like I wrote about it last week too, where I I predicted for sure that the Bruins were going to have a slow start. I didn't know if this if the if the slow start was going to be uh, an anomaly, like just their age kind of being what it is, and it's going to take them a couple extra games to get going, uh, or if it's going to genuinely be that the Bruins are done. Definitely wouldn't bet on that second thing. It's possible because they're an older roster. They. Mm-hmm. Could be possible that like Bergeron and these guys are cooked. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what's happening here though. I'm pretty sure it's just going to be give them, you know what I mean, a week. Because I mean, like even Marshawn, like Marshawn, you know, call him if call him their best player or whatever you want. It, it doesn't really matter. I don't think he is, but um, you know, like he's 30 or whatever, 30 or 31. Like it's not like we're talking about like a 36 year old Brad Marshawn. Like he's still got quite a bit left in the tank, presumably. So, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 definitely, I definitely figured they would be slow to start. But I also thought another team that would be slow to start would be the Islanders because they're the oldest team in the playoffs and they, they're cooking so far, you know. Yeah, we'll um, Predators, are, sure, Predators but... are another team that I, I had having a slow start and they, they look fucking really bad their first two games. But Now, the Bruins play the Lightning this afternoon and it's interesting to note that if the Bruins lose that game to the Lightning, uh, they cannot finish first in the East um, obviously, winning the President's Trophy, that would be a first. Um, yeah. Where you you finish uh, miles ahead of the rest of the teams in terms of points. and, and don't The three-seed Boston Bruins. Eh? It's like, what? Yeah. Uh, heading out west, uh, the uh, Avalanche and Golden Knights both had victories in their first games. The Avalanche coming on the hands of a .01 second goal from Nazem Kadri to take the, uh, the win. 
uh, away from the Blues, uh, who don't get the overtime point, much like the Capitals did in the East. And the Dallas Stars kind of rounding things out due to, uh, you know, goals, four goals against, percentage crap like that. Uh, so the Avalanche technically uh, at the top with the Knights behind them and the Blues and the Stars rounding things out. Uh, the West is fantastic. Those four teams. They're the playing. Those like, those round-robin games have actually been good. We talked about the good. Bruins looking bad. Like, all four of those teams looked great. Like, Yeah, they, they were kinks to iron out, but definitely they, they ironed them out a lot quicker and a lot um, more... Um, with a lot more vengeance, I think. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that there's a lot more there, and it's one of those things, right? Like the the East, I think, is a deeper conference, but the top seeds are not as strong versus the West, mm-hmm. and um, it's just because I would say that the absolute garbage teams in the East are way worse than the garbage teams in the West. Yeah. And so like, that's where a lot of these teams make up those points, right? That's why there's so many, you know, really good teams. And you got to think like Boston Bruins have to play Detroit like four or five times a year. Mm-hmm. You know, that helps like, and it's the same thing for the Leafs Tampa, yeah. like presumably that's 10 throwaway points. Like in the West, if you're Vegas and you got to play the Kings, uh, King, the Kings are like as good possession wise as the Golden Knights. Could be a toss up every night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's it's they still suck, but and you still should win. But it's not going to be as easy of a as, as a of a game. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I I am very impressed with the West playing games as I figured I would be, and uh, I actually haven't been turning them off when they happen. The only play-in team I'm interested, or sorry, the round-robin team that I'm interested in watching in the East is is Philadelphia, just because I want to know if they're for real, and I, I love the makeup of their roster. I think they're super fun to watch. Um, they remind me of the Jets a few years ago. Flyers are really fun to watch, man. They play a really cool brand of hockey, so um, I'm excited to watch them, but I mean, like, I've been watching the Bruins, Capitals, and Lightning for years, and I'm kind of kind of sick of them and you know whatever so i i and none of them look particularly amazing so far the lightning really got her going the other day but by tomorrow night um depending on how things shake out in the west uh, we might be down to an avalanche versus golden knights you know one-on-one kind of matchup um if they can both garner wins unlike the east like we said the capitals have the overtime loss so they get that extra point that kind of keeps them alive and gives them a, a you know a extra fighting chance in this regard not the case out west. A uh, second loss for the Blues and the Stars I mean they're out. Two team race. Very interesting to see. It's it's a short round robin. It's it's three games. It's you you lose one game, you're already kind of on the rocks. So uh, we'll have to watch and see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now to the matchups, I suppose the big the big bulk of of what everyone I, I yeah, think the fun the fun stuff wants to hear about. The fun stuff. Um, I've got the NHL page open. I'm going to work my way down. We're going to start with the five twelve seeds, and we're going to mm. start out west. Mm. Oilers, Blackhawks, game one. A you six, know, in order four, of time zones. A six four Blackhawks win, um, and that was followed by game two, a six three Oilers win. Um, I said Oilers uh, very liberally. We could really just narrow this down to the Conor McDavid show. Uh, five goals and I want to say nine points through both games. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing, James, is, you know, when when everyone makes those bets to, to start series and, and, you know, who they're going to bet on, like, you know, it, it's 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 very important to bet on the right team. And, and, and I'm, regret- I'm regretting my Oilers pick over Chicago, you know, 
Connor McDavid, he's a brilliant talent, but a personality deficient guy. I, uh, I think his blandness rubs off too much on his teammates. Happy to hear opinions to the contrary, but the fact is he doesn't inspire others. So Now, how, how, does, how does Jonathan Taves uh, inspire others uh, year to year? Because he's got oh those cups. So. Can you believe that that was a real opinion? Like, I don't, I honestly, I honestly didn't even understand what that meant initially. Like, I was reading it over and over again, and it's like, I understand Connor McDavid is a very boring, like, interview, but you know who else was when he was a kid? Uh, Sidney Crosby, for sure, was, like, more boring than fucking Connor McDavid, even. At least Connor McDavid shows a little bit of passion and stuff like that. Sidney Crosby, all he would do is bitch about the refs and just give, like, yes and no answers. It was, it was super frustrating to watch, and that guy is considered, uh, perhaps like the greatest hockey player of all time so the idea that like Connor mcdavid is is unable to overcome his blandness to get over the hump or what like what the fuck does that even mean like of course i find the guy boring as hell off the ice it's fun to watch on the ice pretty sure his teammates love him not too worried about him you know like i'm not i'm not sure that making him captain when he was 20 would have been my move but, like, he'd probably be the captain by now anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? His blandness his blandness makes the rest of his teammates depressed? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm really sure it, it, it's, it's the fact that all of these guys who are not NHL players being in the NHL are really depressed with the notion that Connor McDavid, like, keeps these guys in a fucking job. Yeah, I'm really sure that they're sad about that. Well, if you... If he didn't want to be so blind, he could probably just start by taking a knee at the next hockey game. But, <laughs> there it is. Um, yeah, uh, so game three goes tonight, uh, the late game, 10.30 Eastern. Um, series of tie 1-1, one, one. This, this is the swing game. You know, the, One of these teams is going to yeah. have the other on, on the ropes. Um, really hard to get a feel for this one. Like The Look, Blackhawks have looked like the better team for stretches, but yeah, the Oilers have Connor McDavid. Yeah, and that's the problem, right, is like... You know, certainly, certainly, I, like, I'm really, I really don't believe that Connor McDavid can't be contained a little bit. I, I, I think he can, but the Blackhawks are not the team to do it, and, and certainly not their D group anyway, you know what I mean? Like, the problem is, is if you're going to contain Connor McDavid, you need to do it in the neutral zone, and the Blackhawks don't really play a system that is going to be shutting down anyone in the neutral zone. They're happy playing their game, and they're going to try to beat you playing their game while you play yours. Mm-hmm. And that, you know what? I can respect the hell out of that. It might lose them the series. It might win them the series. I'm not really sure. But but it is an interesting... Oh, fuck, I, this is by far the, my favorite series of hockey I've watched in quite a while. I, I, I loved the game last night. I thought it was great. Very um, surprising. Yeah, I, I, I really am enjoying it. Um, I, I thought the funniest thing, though, because like McDavid does this thing on the power play that apparently no other team's figured out, where he like skates out of the zone and then comes back in on the left wing and tries to like get the puck back door and snipe it and he does it it's like it's like Ovechkin in his spot you know what I mean like it's like it's like clockwork McDavid does it every power play and it's just so funny to watch like it's just like it's gonna happen and then it happens again it's great because how do you stop it I don't really know how you stop it you know the weird thing about that is like I've I've seen that brought up a lot and and I was watching the, the game last night Patrick Kane does the same thing how do the Blackhawks kind of, not know yeah. how to defend Similar idea. the same move where 
time after time, I'm watching Kane skate away. It's like, where is it? Where is it going? Is he changing? No, he's not. He's coming back in to grab the puck and take a shot. Like, yeah. obviously different players, but very similar in their like. They re- they rely on their speed. They rely on their hands, and there is a bit of a difference. But I but I do understand. Yeah, like, like the the cane the cane thing. I did not see it coming. Is all that's that's you know. That's well, because the Blackhawks, the black. I I just I I don't know for sure, but I just I've definitely not seen. I've seen Kane on different parts of the power play a lot, and I've never really seen Connor McDavid in in other spots unless he puts himself there yeah. through the course of this of the play. But the, but the idea is that he's definitely going to be on that part of the power play, right? Um, regardless, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's been a lot of fun to watch. To be honest with you, I I, I did not expect that I was really going to be interested in that series. That was one of the more, uh, for a lack of a better word, bland sounding series. And uh, I, I'm not finding it that bland. I'm finding it very fun. The other five twelve matchup, we got the Penguins going up against the Canadians. A series where we've heard so much about the goaltending. That's bland. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's largely lived up to it. Carey Price was fantastic in yeah, Game One, uh, an overtime win for the show. Canadians. Jeff Petrie getting the winner there, a three-two for the Habs. Uh, game Two uh, is the other side of the coin. Matt Murray comes out. Matt Murray has a good game, uh, a three-one win for the Penguins. Uh, so that series is tied at one as well. Uh, game Five, uh, or sorry, Game Three, going today on the fifth uh, tonight there it is. at eight o'clock. Um, your thoughts through two games here. This, this, I think this is. I don't want to say surprised many people because I think a lot of people kind of thought either one team or the other was clearly going to take advantage, and and maybe the surprise here is that we're tied after two games. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's it is a see the Penguins were another one of those teams where I was kind of concerned of them coming out of the gate because of. They do have an older roster construction, but they also have some guys that are coming back from injuries. So, to me, like, they they did have a little bit of a slow start written all over them. I kind of thought Crosby and Malkin were going to do so much to offset the rest of that Montreal team that I thought the Penguins were going to kind of cakewalk them. But the fact that the Penguins kind of came out not up to speed in Game 1 kind of makes sense, right? So... I I thought Game 2 was a lot more indicative of how the Penguins can play. I thought they stepped it up and they were doing a lot of... They just, they're very unpredictable as, a, as an offense, to be honest with you. And um, they are one team. Like, we talk about these trends, McDavid and, and his power play move and Ovechkin and his power play and the Leafs and their whole, you know, skate to the blue line and try to create the odd man rush within the zone. And, like, a lot of these patterns within these teams. Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of pattern. They're, they move around and they do it the right way kind of thing. Um, they just don't have a lot of great uh, offensive forwards in their, on their team, so sometimes their mm-hmm. offense dries mm-hmm. up. But, um, yeah, I think Pittsburgh's going to be fine. I think I still think Pittsburgh's going to win in, in probably four. Um, but the Canadians are definitely a pesky team. Like They well, work, they work very hard. One. Carey Price, yeah. he showed up. It's yeah. not like he got blasted yesterday. In the uh, in the game two uh, game two loss, I believe it was an empty netter that that sealed the deal for the Penguins. Like uh, he, by all accounts, held them into it and gave them a real chance to, you know, steal it. it was second start of the game, uh, you know, the Penguins absolutely dominating the shots column, thirty eight to twenty seven. You know, this this is a guy like I, I know the joke has kind of been 
been made a few times about how like oh you know uh well the olympics for 2014 that was six years ago like he's he's doing it like i'm sorry like he's he's proving his worth and like you said like the short of them having a, a couple guys that can put the puck in the net like the canadians are, are doing all the right things i, I would say um so i think, think the canadians have been a lot better in front of him than they traditionally are sure and so i think that that's helping him but that but that's always the thing right it's like I don't necessarily blame Carey Price all the time for not being Carey Price anymore. It just has to do with a lot of, like, you know, like, everyone looks and they're like, well, the team wasn't great in 2014 and they're not great now. And it's like, yeah, but the team in 2014 was definitely better than this team now. Like, they had a fucking Norris-caliber defenseman yeah. and, you know what I mean? Like, like maybe not a complete defense group, but it was a pretty good defense group. They had fucking Thomas Placanitz and, like, guys that could play a good two-way game and support that system they played. Now, they have just a kind of a mishmash of all these guys that are just playing the system that Claude Julien has put in place because it's like, this is the only fucking chance we have to win games. Mm -hmm. And they're maybe not meant to play the style of hockey that they do, but they have to do it to survive. And I think that they're doing a good job at surviving. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the team some credit. Yeah. I think that they've played well. It's just, And it's not even really like a, an indictment on them. I just have a lot of faith in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's going to win the next two games and that series is going to be over. But, um, yeah, Montreal's done well. Carey Price stopping 74 of 78 shots through two games. Uh, on to the 6 versus 11 seeds. Price is right. We've got uh, the Coyotes at 11 versus the Predators at 6. The Coyotes take game game one. Kind of shockingly, a 4-3 a yeah, win. That was at, an interesting at game. At one point, they were up 4-1. to one. A late comeback by the Preds fall short. Game two went uh, earlier yesterday. Uh, a 4-2 Predators win. This one's deadlocked. Uh, it's a best of three at this point. Uh, is this what we expected? I, I thought this was going to be a pretty close series, and, and so far it's, it's looked like it. I'm a little bit surprised Nashville's been as good as they've been, to be honest with you. I, I had uh, Arizona winning this series, and... Um, I'm not so sure anymore. I don't really know what to make of it. I, I'm really shocked uh, that John Hines went to UC Saros, and I think it was the right move. Both games. I, I'm not going to blame UC Saros for game one because two of those four goals were just... Like, Pecorine lets those in for sure, and maybe lets in another weird one too. Like, it was just... That first goal, with the amount of shit that it, it like had to go through and hit, to go in on UC Saros the way it did, He'll never have to deal with that weird of a fucking shot ever again in his entire career. That was the weirdest thing that could have happened. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, again, I'm down for the Coyotes. I like the Coyotes better. I think I think Nashville's time is sort of starting to come to an end. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy either way. It's been a good, it's been a decent series. I, I only saw a little bit of today's game. I watched it, the whole, all of game one, and I really enjoyed game one. But, yeah. It's it's been interesting. It, it it's a series I found myself watching more of than I thought I would, uh, simply because I think the the scheduling of of, of when they were on. I think today yeah. they were the twelve thirty games. So it was like okay, I'm gonna watch hockey at twelve, and this is the game I have to watch. Game one was uh, somewhere around the same idea, or it was right before the Leaf game. So it's like okay, I'm gonna watch this anyway and get ready for the Leaf game. So I've, I've watched a lot of it. I've liked what I've seen. Um, Gotta tell you, right now I'm not hating uh, not having a full time job. I've had a lot of time to watch some hacky. There you go. So it's like this is the this is the March Madness I never got. Depending on when you're listening to this, uh, game three may already be underway. It's it's the uh, second game of uh, the day. 
uh, on Wednesday at the 2.30 start. So uh, maybe you have a better idea than we do at this point Go as Yotes. to how this series is going to play out. But Go one series that we do know how it plays out, the only one that's done, <laughs> the 6-11 out east. Yeah. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes have swept Duh. the New York Rangers in three games uh, by scores of three to two in game one, four to one in game two, and four to one in game three. Um, interesting, only in the sense that a there was a sweep, and I did not think there would be a sweep at any point in the playing round, and two because game three saw both teams, not one, both teams uh, turn to their backup goaltenders as they were playing on a back to back. Uh, games two and three um you obviously i can tell you're surprised by the outcome here i didn't think like i said there'd be a well i don't know Um, if i'm surprised well i'm more so rattled that i let myself be talked into the rangers because if you listen back to last week's episode i took the hurricanes and then we talked about henrik lundquist and i'm like no i'm not betting against hank Let's go. Oh, Brutes. This and is I, why we don't listen back to episodes. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very wrong was I. Really, really stupid well, person. And, and not but, even that. Like, like, I think Hank had a great first game. You know, like, that was a close. It was a one-goal game. He played well. He played, he played really well. well. I wouldn't say great. He but. played well enough to get him game two. And because game one wasn't supposed to be his game. Let's remember that. Let's go back to that. Game one, Shesterkin's supposed to yeah. go. It's announced he can't go. Hank comes in. He plays great. He plays good enough that he gets game two, uh, which wasn't so great. Uh, so now, at this point, now they're up, got the back against the wall. They go back to the guy that was supposed to be game one, and uh, clearly, I, I don't, I don't know what the problem was. Like James Reimer looked fantastic at the other end, but Shesterkin just never seemed to really have a feel for it. I, I believe the fourth goal was an empty netter, but in any case, Rangers are done. Uh, they're the first team that has to pack their shit and leave the bubble. Oh God. Is that a Mike Commodore reference there? Um, Pack your shit. I don't. I'm not familiar with oh, okay. that. But um, yeah, Rangers are out. Hurricanes gets lots of time to kind of sit back and think about what uh, what they want to do. They're, they're an interesting position because they're not the highest seed. That's that would be the Penguins. The Penguins still have a chance to get in there and and take away uh, that option from the Hurricanes. But the Hurricanes, they're gonna be sitting back, going, you know. On one hand, we should get arguably one of the easier teams of those four in the, in the round robin. But at the same time, maybe they get their old their old buddy, the Bruins from from last year, where you know the Bruins have a slow start. Now you're playing a, maybe a better team, so to speak, earlier than than maybe you you kind of hoped. Um, I'm not I'm not sure. The Hurricanes gonna have lots of time. They got. Some ping pong tournament they're going to be playing, so oh, uh, good, for, good them for them in the bubble. Um, yeah, uh, they're they're a really good hockey team, and I wish them all the best. They're a weird hockey team. How do you figure weird? I can't. I feel like we all. Got I don't. Up. I don't know if they have a weakness other than like, if you somehow break down their system, yeah, their goaltending fucking isn't great. No, it's but not. it's like, how do you break down their system? Like, I just, I, I don't, it, 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 they, man, I, I've made this comparison before. They remind me of the Kings a little bit in 2012, 2014, because it's just like, I don't really know how you stop this team. Like, force them to take stupid penalties was how you stopped the Kings, and they very rarely would play that game. With the Hurricanes, like, I don't know, hit, hit the living fuck out of them, maybe? Maybe. But, 
I don't know if that's going to work either. It, it's it's tough. Like like Boston maybe is built to beat them, but they like you know. I I guess it's just it's one of those things where like on paper like everything looks great. They don't honestly, really have, honestly they like, don't really have that guy up front. Like Schwetch is going to get there. I th- I think I think he's there. pretty close. Like I he's I don't think so. He's uh, he looked fucking unbelievable in that series, and he I looked good in the series. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say unbelievable, but well, um, I I don't know. I he thought was he was never thought blowing he, me away. I thought he dominated every game, but he he's you're, you, you let yeah let's say let's say he's close, but it's just one of those things. Like I don't. They're just their whole team is just a unit. Like they just play the same regardless of who is on the ice. Yeah. And to me, that is scary as all hell. Yeah. No, it, they're a good team. I get this sense that we've kind of all it got trendy at one point. Like, oh, the Hurricanes are a really good team, and we all kind of jumped on the Hurricanes and like, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be fantastic. And I watch the games, and it's like they don't blow me away the same as. When I'm looking at the sheet of paper in front I mean, of me, but that, neither, that's all. Neither did the Kings. No, the, 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 the Kings, Kings. I would watch the Kings. The Kings you just and watch and they cycle the puck, and that was it. I and would, like that's I would all the Hurricanes the Kings do. And I would get excited because there would be exciting moments in their game. Well, because they would throw hits and stuff like that. They would but throw like hits. Jonathan Cook's making saves back the, there that the, he her- shouldn't be making. And Drew Doughty's going end to end like he's oh. talking Bobby Orr. Well, yeah, but and... but if we're talking Jonathan Quick being the most important part of the or most exciting part of the Kings in 2012, 2014, like by 2014 he, he was only making four saves a night because they were only allowing sure. five shots a game. Sure. Not that not that few, yeah. but pretty close. No. I don't know. It's I, just I I don't know. I like I, I look at the Canes and I see very much the same thing. Like I, I find they generate a lot of scoring chances. They don't ever let go of the puck. It's sort of like what I dream the Leafs are going to be eventually. Yeah, you can probably yeah, give them that I mean? dream. Yeah. Um, the what is it? The seven ten matchups. We got one know. going on live behind us. Uh, game one was a three nothing shutout for the Minnesota Wild over the Vancouver Canucks. I think we can call um, game two at this point. Game two is looking like a Vancouver win. It's four to one right now with what eight, minute, eight minutes to go in the third. Um, so by all accounts, this should be a level series. Come. Thursday when game uh, game three happens, um, I I don't think anyone saw that that shutout win coming. Like I'm not saying the Wild weren't going to get one, but they fucking dominated that game. That was like hands yeah, down a Minnesota Wild victory. That was clear cut <laughs> textbook Minnesota Wild win. Real boring, <laughs> real simple to the point shutout win. Mind you, Devin Dubnik wasn't the guy getting the shutout this time, but. Um, What's well, the thing? Like it was just like it was indicative of the old Minnesota Wild, but that this this was not how they were winning games coming into the playoffs by yeah. shutting the door. Like and, and like you said, right? Like the games where they did shut the door, it was Alex Stalock. Like Devin Dubnik's nowhere to fucking be found on the Minnesota Wild. However, uh, could be starting Game Three by the looks of things. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I don't really know um, necessarily what to make of this series yet. I, I think it is a bit of a toss-up, a little bit more so than maybe we thought it would be. The uh, Like, Markstrom's playing well. I kind of chalked it up to I thought Markstrom was going to play the series, but, you know, he hasn't been um, carry price level or anything like that to make, like, a huge notable difference. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, the, the Wild still, I, I wouldn't count the Wild out. The Wild are one of those teams that I just think that the makeup of their team, they're very pesky. They've got a lot of... Uh, 
They've got a lot of uh, Columbus Blue Jackets to them if the Blue Jackets were skilled. Uh, it's just in the sense that they just don't really seem to like go away. Um, they're a fun team to watch, I would say. Now, you, I love you made me an some interesting Kevin point there. Like the Wild are maybe the first example of a team that are going to be in a position to swap goalies. Obviously, the Oilers do it. They never really had a clear-cut guy like Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen. They're both bad. Uh, it doesn't really matter who's in that, uh, as far as I'm concerned. The the Penguins fought the urge. They didn't go with the swap for Jari. They stuck with Murray. But the other series have been pretty clear-cut. Like you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna swap out those guys um, for game for game three, uh, and they the, by all accounts they won't. The Wild could be where they took the first game. Now they're gonna lose the second game. Do they stick with the guy that got the shutout, or do they go to the veteran Devin Dubnik who might maybe turn the tide, so to speak, if if they feel like Stalock really got exposed in, in this game here? Yeah. I mean, like the problem with Stalock is because like I'm operating on the assumption that Alex Stalock is still the Alex Stalock that I've known for years, which is like a, a, a borderline uh, NHL goaltender, let alone a fucking starter. Like, you know what I mean? He was barely a... a second like it barely a backup option for years and um now he's you know he did really well in minnesota this year like really well and he he had a decent well and that's just it right like he had a decent year last year um but it's just it just kind of depends do you think devin dubnik can turn back the clock a little bit and I, i i suppose i do i just i don't really think i have any more faith in one of these goalies over the other like I just I just don't know and and I think Minnesota is a team that knows at this stage that if they're relying that heavily on their goaltending then they might be in trouble um because this is a team that at this point is I don't really I I honestly I know how they're winning games I I don't really understand how they're winning as many games as they were down the stretch this team doesn't really make a lot of sense to me but um I really like Kevin Fiala so I want uh, the Wild to win still and uh, interesting. I, I'm, I'm hopefully fuck. He was so good down the stretch, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I'd probably stick with Staylock game three, but the reason I brought it up is because he has let in a couple stinkers tonight. So I could see Dean Evanson Evanson going to Dubnik in game three. We'll see. Fair enough. Okay, we got three series left to get to. Uh, first uh, first up is the seven ten matchup in the East. Uh, that would be the Islanders at 7, the Panthers at 10. The mm. first game was a 2-1 to one Islanders win in the Battle of the Russian Goaltenders. Uh, the game 2 was doubled up. Uh, Islanders 4, Panthers 2. Uh, the Islanders out 2 games to none. Uh, noon is the game today. You uh, are in all likelihood listening to this uh, either as this game is going on or after it has ended. Um, so this might be a sweep. By the time we talk about it, hard to say. Um, I've liked I've liked the Panthers so far. I, I've liked the makeup of their team, um, but games one, game two, Varlamov is getting it's getting the edge, uh, uh, rightly or wrongly. He's looked like the better goaltender um, through these games. He's held his team in it, and they have the lead. And I don't know where this offense is coming from from the Islanders, but. It's coming regardless, and it, it's going to take a big, a big change here from the Panthers to kind of fight their way back into it. I, I really thought that they had uh, this series evened up today. They were up two to one. They looked good. 
they fell apart, and the Islanders quickly jumped all over that. I believe the fourth goal was an empty netter, but um, in any case, um, is, is this over? Is this is this series done? I know you're kind of eating your words uh, by answering that question, uh, releasing a day of a game, but uh, oh no, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm more than happy to answer that question. Okay. This is this is over. Wow, over. Series is done. Listen, I I have decided. That I don't even remember who I took to win this series. I'm sure I took the Panthers. There's no way I would have taken the Islanders. I have decided that as of as of today, while I was watching Game Two, um, that I'm just done with analytics because none of it seems to make sense anymore. Uh, the Islanders are the best team of all time, and they are going to win. You don't think that uh, Joel Quenville having last change in Game Three is going to make a difference? No, 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 no. Because no. here, here's the thing. Who do you even match your guys up against on the Islanders? Who are you trying to shut down? Anthony Beauvillier? Who are you doing it with? Fucking Mike Matheson? Go right ahead. Stick him out there the whole time. I I dare you. I dare you. I don't know what it is with this, like, with this fucking league, man, where it's like these guys get paid, and then all of a sudden the coaches have to fucking play them. Why even bother having coaches if you're just going to tell them that they have to play play these guys with these massive cap hits? Why doesn't the general manager just fucking coach a team then? I don't understand it. And if they're not telling him to play Mike Matheson, why the fuck is he doing it? It doesn't make any sense. He's got a big contract, so he plays. Because he doesn't do any fucking thing else out there. Other than, other than anchor down and like haul around his bag of money as he skates up and down the ice. All he does. He's horrible. You know how old he's work, horrible. Right? That's what I'm saying then. Fucking get Vinny Viola behind the bench then. Okay. Why not? There's no yeah. difference. Yeah. No. Yeah. He basically is already. It, it's. I get it. it. It's hard to like tell your GM, uh, like, go spend this money. And then the GM spends the money. And the owner's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, if you don't play the guys that we spent the money stupid. on, I'm going to fire you. This is a so, stupid league. Yeah. No, it's, it's not great, I guess. But. It's the way the world I works. think the Islanders are going to win. I think the Panthers win game three. Uh, I think. This oh, you th- oh, so I thought you meant the series. I think. No, I. Think, I'm, I, I mean the series. Like I, I, I think, think I think the Islanders finish no, no, it no, off. That was my question. Like, it's, it's done. It's like, done. Sweep. Stick a fork in those cats. They are done. Done. Sergey Bobrovsky game three shutout. Isles uh, Isles <laughs> winning four. The the Panthers gave me about five minutes there today, where I was like, you know what, May, they might even this up. And then they just pissed it all away. Pissed it all away. F- fuck them. Fuck the Panthers. Okay. Uh, having said that, Panthers in five. Game uh, Game four will go tomorrow night, the late night game in the 8-9 matchup between the Flames and Jets. The Flames get the first oh, game win, 4-1 to one over the Jets. The Jets answer with a 3-2 win in game two. Uh, only to be uh, mopped uh, in Game Three, six to two by the Flames. Uh, the Jets are on the brink. Do they falter in Game Four, or are we going five? Uh, we'll go five. I think. We'll go but, five. You think? But I'm 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 skeptical about whether or not they'll win Game Five. I don't know. The, the Flames are looking a little bit more resilient than I thought they would. Um, but like I said, it was going to be one of those things. Like, could the Jets' offense overpower the Flames' defense? And so far. The flame or the Jets have had no offense to speak of in terms of just steady 
pressure and things well, like I, that. I think and, in terms of the guys that they have as offensive forwards not playing. Hey-oh. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there, there's just there's nothing sustained uh, about this team right now, and I'm not really even going to blame them. Like, you look at this roster, and the high-end talent obviously is there, but they're not really there right now because Shifley's not playing. Um, Lionet's not playing. What's, what's the bigger story here? Is it, is it the lack of offense from the Jets, who, like you said, do have a couple guys hurt? Or is it the the, the Jets allowing, and Connor Hellebuck more so, allowing four goals a game on average? Well, the, the Flames have the puck the whole time. That's my point, right? The, the Jets don't have any sustained pressure because they don't have any of these guys in the lineup. And the guys they do have in the lineup, bless their hearts, like, even Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler's not a possession player. Like, he's good with the puck when he has it. But Blake Wheeler's not a guy that gets the puck, hangs on to the puck. You know what I mean? Plays that possession game. Blake Wheeler very much looks to make something happen. He gets people moving around. He moves around a lot. and um, Like, they just don't have a lot of guys that are going to generate a whole lot of sustained pressure. And unless they can beat the hell out of the Flames... Uh, like I don't really know how else they try to win these games, and and that's basically where they're at. Is they're they're trying to beat the hell out of them. They're taking stupid penalties in the process, and um, yeah, they're they're losing at their own game right now. So uh, they're playing right in the Flames' hand, to be honest with you. And it's it's sort of unfortunate to watch. I didn't get to see today's game, but the the two that I did see were were fairly frustrating to watch. Even the game that the Jets did win, it was just like they were struggling to get stuff going a lot of the time still and. Mm-hmm. Um, when they did get it going, they were the better team, but um, it's just tough, like, as much as I love a lot of these guys, like, Andrew Kopp can only do so much, and Jansen Harkins can only do so much, and, like, you know what Dallas I mean, it's Egan just... Is, or not Dallas Eakin, is, uh, uh, Cody Eakin is not a number one center. Yeah. N- n- no, no, yeah. he isn't. No, you're he's down, not. You're down Bickle, you're down Lionel, you're down Shifley, it's, it's not gonna add up well. Bickle. Bickle? Little. 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 Brian Little. Brian Little. Yeah, I remember I remember looking at their lineup the other day and it was just like starting centers were Eakin, uh, Cop, Lowry, and it doesn't even matter. Nick Shore. And it's like you know what I mean? Like it's just like Number seventy one, Nick Shore. Three of the four are NHL players, but it's like only for twelve, fifteen minutes a night, maybe. You yeah. know? Yeah. Not the whole game. No. Um, so, yeah, Flames and Jets tomorrow night at 10.30. The last matchup, um, and I did not leave this on purpose. So this is just how NHL.com has it. Uh, the uh, Maple Leafs at 9, the Blue Jackets... Uh, sorry, the Maple Leafs at 8, Blue Jackets at 9. Series head at 1. Uh, the only series to see two shutouts, Blue Jackets blank the Leafs 2-0 in Game 1. The Leafs respond with a 3 nothing win of their own in Game 2. Um. Whoa, whoa. What is what is this? Is this, is this an even series? Is this a a series that has been masked by some you know, spectacular goaltending? Um, you know what's funny about this series? I'm just realizing as we're going to talk about this. This is the series I've watched the least because <laughs> I didn't see Game Two yet. I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I guess tomorrow now, but um. Yeah, I I I can only evaluate game one. Uh, by all accounts, tonight was a complete domination from the Leafs. Uh, I would say game one, 
Game one, the Leafs played well, but the problem was was they played the Blue Jackets game. And so, you know what I mean? Like, even if the Leafs show up and are right there with the Blue Jackets the whole time, it's kind of what the Blue Jackets wanted, right? Was just that slight edge. They don't need to dominate games to win. That's actually very rarely something they do. And so, um, they played right into the Blue Jackets' hand in that sense. To be honest with you, I thought the Leafs were still the better team in game one, but it's kind of... You know, it, it it's it's semantics. Like it's just one of those things that didn't they didn't generate a lot of high danger scoring chances. The ones they well, did, on, on like the, the day, it was know. a one nothing loss. Exactly. Right? There's an empty netter there. Freddie Anderson lets in one bad shot. I actually didn't even really realize the Blue Jackets had an empty netter, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's one bad shot that beats Freddie Anderson. I, I think yeah, as that game went, I shot. think that game went along. The Leafs were looking like the better and better team, and eventually they got put in a position where. Now they have to kind of force the issue, you know. Oh, it was it was end, over. By the end, they had to pull the goalie. It was over. As soon as Atkinson scored that goal, that game was done. Um, but I, I, my point was though, is that as that game was going along, I could sense the scales tipping in a way where eventually the Leafs are going to break through. And other than, like we said, this one bad shot that happened to squeak through, I don't think the Blue Jackets would have been able to, you know, batten down the hatches, so to speak, and weather the storm uh, for a full 60. They got lucky early in the third. They got the lead. They were able to kind of change the way they played the game, change the way they approached the third period, and and force the issue on the Leafs. And I think we saw the culmination of that in game two, where the Leafs come out, the shots were 28-8 to eight at one point, and it was an absolute just offensive throttling by the Maple Leafs where uh, they get their own empty netter as well. I'm not going to sit here and say that they they absolutely blew the doors off. It was only two goals that they got past Corpus Hallow, but just the, the way that they handled the game, the way they controlled the game, it was mostly in the Blue Jackets' end for the, you know, by all accounts for the entirety of that game. I think there was 20 shots final that the Blue Jackets had on Anderson, and there was close to 40 that the Leafs had against the Blue Jackets. So um, it's hard to weather that type of storm. And credit to the Blue Jackets if they can find a way to do that moving forward and maybe, you know, mix in a, a goal here. Like, on paper, through two games, they've scored one goal against a goalie. Mind you, the Leafs have only scored two. But... You know, this yeah. is, that that's the game the Blue Jackets play. The Blue Jackets rely so heavily on their goaltending, when the, whereas the Leafs are the complete opposite. Freddie Anderson's back there only as a fail-safe because we forgot to cover, you know, the neutral zone, and, and here comes this odd man rush. Wow. And Corpus Allo is literally thrown in night in and night out. Here's 40 shots. Uh, do your best, son. And he's done his best through two games, and, you know, credit to him, but... Uh, that, that's that's where we've kind of found ourselves after after the first two. Yeah, I, I, I again, honestly, I'm kind of at the point where, um, yeah, I, I thought the Blue Jackets were the better team in Game One just because uh, they got to play their style more than the Leafs did, and and also because I thought the Leafs were non-existent in the third period. But um, tonight, by all accounts, they were the, the Leafs were the better team. So it, it's one of those things. I I. I think that the way the Leafs kind of play, they sort of play in waves, and and the fact that they sort of got their way tonight is perhaps a, a bit of a bad sign for the Blue Jackets moving forward. But it's also, 
you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think John Tortorella is a genius, but I do think he is a good coach in adapting uh, his team a little bit. And so I sort of wonder if they, if there's some other sort of, you know, fucking magic horseshoe that he's going to pull out of his ass for game three that all of a sudden they're going to be like, I, like, I don't know. Like, here's the thing is the funny thing is, is they're doing very well uh, in terms of stopping the Leafs offense from their goaltending and they aren't their best goalies on the bench. So like maybe he just puts Merzlikens in and now it's like, well, we're fucked. Like you never know. I, I just, I don't know exactly what they're going to do here. And um, yeah. Well, he's, I don't know. he gets home changed the next two games too, right? Like that's, that's the thing. Torch stole a home game from the Leafs technically yeah. in that first game. So yeah. um, you're right. It'll be interesting to see how, how that shakes down. Luckily the Leafs don't have to go to Columbus and hear that fucking cannon because they couldn't get it through customs. Yeah, you hear you about this, to, folks? You ever try to, you ever try to get cannon, through a, f- a yeah, fucking yeah, cannon customs. through customs? Yeah. Um, so that that is a, kind of a recap of the first weekend or so. The first long weekend, you might say, of the NHL's return to play. Um, sure was long for me. Yeah. By all accounts, they are doing very well in terms of the, the professional sports uh, scope. Much better than the MLB. Yeah. Less guys going out to buy milk. That's the More, big difference. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, as, as we approach the second weekend of the return to play, um, you know, the long weekend, often, oftentimes in Canada, it's time to go out, have a little fun. You go to the oh, camp. Oh, drink some brews. You have, some, you have a good time. You drink some brews. Uh, next weekend, it, you got hockey. You never had hockey in August. What are you supposed to do? How, how do I approach weekend hockey in Canada That's in August? Cool. And uh, That's pretty we cool. recommend here at the Lifestyle Podcast having a couple brews, a couple beer skis, a couple, uh, couple, of, couple of good time beverages at, at the cottage uh-huh. or wherever you're watching the game. Uh-huh. Uh, so this week's overrated, underrated favorite, least favorite uh, is uh, beer Brands, the, sure. the the big ones, not not the craft stuff. We like craft. Craft is good. Yeah, I'm, is I'm I'm full. I'm fully gonna like. I I there are a few uh, stereotypes that I like to embrace. I'm definitely one of those fucking craft beers, unreal man. Fucking one of those guys. I I don't drink domestic domestic beer almost ever anymore. Um, but I I used to. <laughs> Yeah. used to drink a lot of it yeah I, i'm more i'm more gotten into craft in the last like three four years kind of thing now when craft is bad it's very bad i for will sure. say that for sure when, when they're bad they're worse than the bad domestic stuff um i i, yeah. I gotta i i will i'm gonna okay. go out there i'm gonna say that i'm mm. gonna be able to it's, it's the truth i've had some god awful craft beers. beer beer to me is is like coffee in a way like i just i needed to have some taste and that's kind of the main thing but you're right. Like a bad coffee is is terrible. But I would rather I would almost rather a bad coffee and me just be like ah fuck it, than try to force my way through a bland coffee. You know, like kind of like a Connor McDavid coffee, bland coffee. And and so it's the same thing with beers. Like I find domestic beer is just a lot of it is like just watery, bland garbage. And so I don't. I'm sure this will be a great uh, exercise we're about to do as I rip domestic beer to shreds right now. For some now, reason. of course, we're about to uh, sample all of these five products <laughs> and uh, get absolutely obliterated. Can we start with natural light so it all moves up from here? we got to get four beers in us in the next uh, two minutes, so this, sh- this should be smooth. Should we get My overrated yeah. domestic beer is Molson Canadian. Uh, okay. It's not so much that I don't like it, I just think that it's it's liked by too many people 
Um, there are better domestic beers. There are better domestic beers in Canada. But for some reason, because we've attached the Canadian persona to this beer, um, it is something that every every high school teenager needs to uh, undergo as, as they enter their beer drinking uh, life. It's, it's, it's very thick. It's like drinking a carling, kind of. There's a lot of flavor to it. Maybe not the best kind of flavor. It, you know? it was something that I drank when I was younger. Yeah, like I, I, said, well, me like, too. I used to drink carling, too. Out, coming out of high school, I liked my Canadian, but I've I've moved away from that again. I, 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 will, I will fire one up from time to time. Blues Fest. I find myself drinking a Blues Fest because it's one of the two options they have at Blues Fest. So, mm-hmm. um, But for the most part, I, I, I avoid it when I can if if I go to the beer store where like you're not the guy in the back picking your own box and you have to ask the guy and the guy's like what do you want and it's busy and it's like I want this and he says no and I go I want this and he says no then sometimes I'll panic and I'll be like I don't know just give me fucking candy and like let's get the fuck out of here like you're holding the line up uh-huh. so that's the limit that's the extent of my relationship with Molson Canyon okay um for for overrated listen like I this is a beer I want to like um, you and I were talking about this before the podcast that um, I, you know, some people don't even really realize that it's like a, a domestic beer and think that it's more like a craft brand. And I really, I really want to like Rolling Rock, and I know a lot of people do, but I got to tell you, it's it's not very good. It's it's got a weird sort of aftertaste to it, and and the beginning taste isn't that great to begin with either. So I don't. Uh, I don't really love it. I'm not gonna, but I'm not saying it's my least favorite, right? It's, it's. Just, I think a lot of people love it, and I don't really get the appeal to it. Now, I'm, I'm not here to criticize your list because mm-hmm. I, I think we all have our own experiences. I've never met anyone in my life that drinks Rolling Rock. I, I, I know it's maybe not as like on paper as popular as, but the people who stand by Rolling Rock stand by it like to a fault almost and it's one of those things i like i don't know i don't really know anyone that dislikes rolling rock other than myself oh it's not good i don't like it it's not good but it's it's had it once i won't go i'll drink it but it's like there are beers i would rather drink less but i think everyone i know that just like rolling rock's so good and all this stuff and it's like it's fine interesting it does its job okay yeah uh my underrated beer uh domestic that is is uh mgd Miller Genuine mm. Draft. That's underrated? Yeah. I don't know anyone that drinks MGD. Okay. Well, you and I clearly have different circles. When when I grew up, and I was in high school, MGD was the beer. Who was affording that Ev- in every, high school? Everyone I knew drank MGD. To the point where you would go to a party, and if you put beers in the fridge... It was literally just MGD and like a few cans of Bush, and I was one of the Bush guys. But like everyone I knew was drinking MGD. Was drinking MGD. I gotta just bleep out a bunch of names now because I'm just gonna name drop. Was drinking MGD. Fucking um, MGD guy. The biggest MGD guy I know. Just MGD everywhere. All the fucking boys were drinking MGD. You go to parties. There were other groups of guys drinking MGD. MGD was everywhere. So it's just for me, for like, for you to say it's underrated, to me that is like, that is the beer that I grew up thinking, at least at the time, was the most popular beer. 
now I've learned to to understand that like Budweiser is probably like you know what I mean like the number one most popular beer I would imagine in the world or sorry in this part of the world for domestic beers but just to hear MGD is underrated that's crazy although I don't think people maybe understand how good it is and I understand why you would say it's underrated in that sense my, my, my friends we could maybe afford Brava <laughs> sometimes we could afford PBR uh, if we wanted to splurge, Brava. if we wanted to splurge, we'd get Crystal or a couple OEs. <sighs> Who's bringing MGD to the parties? I grew up with these, rich friends. Rich people that yeah, you're hanging grew, out I with. I grew them. up with God. rich friends. All right. Well, my list is clearly for the working class folk, uh, the the blue collar <laughs> people. That's right. Yeah. So That's right. Uh, MGD all the way. If you're if you're making uh, no money. Okay. That's uh, that's fair. My, my, listen. My underrated is Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ever heard of the Stella Artwis? Artwis? Yeah. You guys yeah. ever hear about this? Um, no. Uh, I, 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 you know what? I think, I think, I don't think you're wrong with your MGD pick either. It's just one of those things where I think, uh, it was definitely more popular around, uh, where sure. I was anyway. Sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um. For my underrated, I'm I'm gonna go Bush. Uh, Bush gets a uh, gets a bad rep, and it's one of my favorites. And I I just think that there's something perfect about when you were a teenager handing a ten dollar bill to someone's older sister, and then she keeps the nickel because it was nine ninety five and buys you six tall cans of Bush, costs you ten bucks, got you drunk, you know. Sure. Hippie girl, fifty cents. Cigarette dipped in acid. The smoker's cough, as it were. Mm. Um, I don't know. Bush Bush is fine. I don't know. It's, I think it's underrated. It's not good, but... How dare you? It's really not good. I've been to a bu- few Bush parties in my day. Mm, uh-huh. Not not great. Don't, don't agree. Um, my favorite is Budweiser. I'm drinking it tonight. Uh, it's pretty much my go-to if I'm at a place where I know that the craft selection is not going to be up to snuff or sometimes or sometimes they bring in a, a craft flavor because they'll only carry one of that particular bra- a craft brewery and, and that's just not my flavor perhaps um so i go to i go with bud i think i think bud's real solid it, it's it's clean you know what you're gonna get it's never too much it's never not enough it does the job it uh, it's got the five percent alcohol impact which is kind of what you're looking for in a beer i'm not i'm not really looking for beers to get me you know matching up with a nice steak i'm trying to uh drink beers to get me fucked up most of the time so give me that alcohol content i don't, I don't need your three and a half percents leave those at the door your, your coors lights of the world your uh your bud lights leave them at home what percentage is budweiser would you say it was budweiser's five wow yeah so you, and you just like it it just gets you good and shit canned is what you're saying does the job gets me in gets me out gets me home at night like that's all i need so okay Bud is my go-to domestic uh, beer. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I. You know, one thing I've always found interesting about your taste in Bud is you're not. Uh, uh, you're not a big. Uh, you don't own like a Budweiser shirt or anything. You know, you haven't. You haven't turned full redneck at that well, point. It's not that I wouldn't. I just don't seem to get them. Okay. Like I have a Coors well, you Light. You just buy one. I have a Coors Light shirt. It was a, a kind of a, a Christmas gag that I got that came in a, a case. I have a Budweiser Blue Jays shirt. 
But okay. it's also the Blue Jays. It doesn't just say Budweiser. So Well, I can respect your Budweiser uh, pick because I went through a Budweiser phase. It's 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 fine. I don't I don't really care for it anymore, but again I'm a s I'm a I'm a snob. Um my 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 favorite um domestic it came it came down to two. I I am quite partial to PBR. I do like PBR quite a bit. I went through quite a phase and it's one it's one of the domestic beers that I've never really abandoned. So I still I don't drink it very much anymore because I drink a lot of craft, but when I do go domestic, that is one of my go-tos. However, I would say that there is one um that I just consistently go to over and over again. Um and and that would be Sleeman. Uh now technically Sleeman no longer a domestic because now it's kind of imported, but they have Canadian warehouses, so it's kind of a it's kind of a wishy-washy one. Uh, but I'm going to count it as domestic. Uh, uh, uh Original Draft probably would be the one if I had to pick okay. of uh, of any of theirs. But I, it's a good call. Pretty happy with all Sleeman's. I I think Sleeman's great. Uh, I enjoy it. They're owned by Sapporo now. Sapporo, okay. Sapporo. Well, that's, that's a wild leap from that's right one continent to another. I suppose that's but, right. Um, Japanese-owned Canadian brewery. You don't see that very often. Uh, not at all. Founded by John um, Warren Sleeman. My least favorite is kind of a it's it's a toss up from one brewery, uh, and there's there's two uh, brews that they make that I don't care for. Um, that would be Coors. Uh, oh, Coors Light. Oh no, don't need that. Oh no, it's all water. The Silver Bullet, baby. Three percent. A three percent beer. What are we talking? Former about sponsor of the Jane doing? Dan podcast. What are we doing? It's, oh it's, no. The only time I'll drink a Coors Light is if, like, I, I recently found myself at the beer store, and I'm looking for a couple beers, and it's like, oh, I guess I'm grabbing a fucking pack of Coors Light because uh, this place was uh, bone dry in terms of its uh, selection, um, and that goes uh, neck and neck with Coors Banquet, which is disgusting. I, I cannot stand Coors Banquet. Yeah, um, I, I used to drink it. I don't really know. I don't know what I was thinking. I've, I've. I and this I, I will give it this much I, I I will give banquet the slight edge over Coors Light in the sense that I got sick off of banquet one night so I think that plays into my dislike for it more so than my dislike for Coors Light which you can't get sick off you can't get sick off water so I I've been well, sick tepid. off of banquet and I I think that's kind of why I don't like it but okay. At the end of the day, it doesn't. It's not like it tastes great either. So. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I I I was going to ask too because it was a big thing when we first got Coors Banquet in in Canada and in in, in Ontario. Did you ever get the chance to try Coconut Gold for like the four months we had it in Ontario? I remember you buying a case in Winnipeg, and That's great. I can't remember because uh, I don't remember much from that weekend. Mm. I don't. I can't remember if I tried it that weekend or not. But if I didn't, then I haven't. Kokanee Gold, uh, I would say, uh, among the better domestic beers that I've ever tried. I'm not a big Kokanee guy, but Kokanee Gold was damn good. My my least favorite uh, domestic beer, and it's really not particularly close. I can drink pretty much any beer. But I, I'm sorry. There is no beer that I can drink 
that just makes me feel like I'm 17 at a party where even uh, even at the time I didn't really want to be. You remember when every party was kind of cool? Everything was just exciting when you were like 17. It's like, ah, oh, this is fucking really cool. Uh, even even those nights, I don't want to remember the taste of Lakeport Pilsner in my mouth. It's disgusting. It's 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 I I admire what it is, which is a very 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 cheap beer, and the people who drink it are very loyal to it, and I, I like its branding and everything like that. They've done a lot of things right, but it is terrible. And I don't like it. I never drank Rainport. Neither do I. No, I never did. Oh, you, ne- you never tried it? No. Wouldn't bother. Okay. Wouldn't bother. You, you know, uh, you know Lab- Labatt Blue? No. Never had a Labatt Blue either. No. Wow. Okay. Well, I was going to say picture Labatt Blue, but like ten times worse. But Apparently, like, as much as I was ripping on the uh, the rich folk for getting their MGDs, I, I've definitely skated clear of a few bad brews yeah in my day yeah like like lakeport some cool like they were the first brand to start the well not the first but like the most recent brand to popularize the buck a bottle in like the early 2000s and that's where doug ford kind of like we're gonna do bring buck a beer back was lakeport was the brand it's like there's no reason you should ever have to pay more than a dollar for this and then you try it and it's like yeah no fucking shit so yeah, never tried Carling. Never had James Reddy. I, I, I escaped a few. Really James bad. Reddy was it's okay. Yeah, I, that's I, fine. I've heard next, but yeah, uh, that is your uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite domestic beer brands, uh, as presented by two guys that like craft beer. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> next week, our favorite craft beers. Um, so this is from Mahogany Valley. This one that I like. Uh, this is my favorite. This is Winter Solstice. Yeah. So what they did was they they actually uh, they roast the cans uh, on like a cedar plank on a barbecue for like twenty minutes before they put it in the, before they put it in the uh, distillery for for six months. Now after the squirrel has regurgitated the pine nuts, <laughs> then they take those and they you know kind of mix them in. It's like with... it's like eating in Japan. It's just like all right. So here's what you do. So the bird is going to spit up the beer into your mouth and then what you got to do is you got to gurgle it gurgle it for like 34 hold seconds it, 34 it. specifically don't do it any longer than 34 seconds otherwise you will lose access to your vocal cords oh cool this will be fun i do love craft i just wanted to have a piece of sushi tonight but, yeah. yeah um that has been laced up a hockey podcast for this week uh you can find me at laced up a hockey podcast every other week <laughs> Uh, when we record this dumb podcast and uh that's about it i'm also on this podcast uh and i might write something soon i i am a i am a writer okay nothing to plug well nothing right now i haven't written anything recently oh, hockey's back you should have like 10 articles about by now what am i supposed to say about that sitting on four months of time you should have yeah that's great to, as to i said earlier i watched one of the games i haven't seen tonight's mm. yet yeah. i don't know if there's much to say I guess that's that's fair. I could write about how I'm sad about Jake Muzzin. Am I supposed to? Is anyone going to read that? We didn't even talk about that. I don't, I don't want to bring up harsh memories. That's true. Also, uh, Ivan Barbashev left the uh, bubble today, the birth of his uh, young child, so he will have to quarantine when he re-enters. Yeah, four days apparently is is all it takes for the NHL. So it's great. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see how that works out. Yeah, it's okay. a, lot, a lot of testing. See you Thank in four you. Days. All right, bye bye. You can fuck off and all. <laughs> You don't know what I've been through. I've been downgraded. 